Good morning. <laughs> the title of this morning's message is The Finished Works of Jesus and Spiritual Warfare. This morning I want to talk to you about how completely sozoed, saved, healed, delivered, rescued, protected, and provided for we really are because of the finished works of Jesus and how the truth of Jesus' complete victory over all the power of sin, self, and Satan is the ground on which we stand in every situation. In Ephesians chapter 6, we find a very familiar passage that describes the full armor that God has provided for every believer and how our victory is manifested not by fighting, but by standing. Ephesians 6.13 says this, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. <laughs> so according to this scripture, our goal is to continue standing, not fighting, standing. But what exactly is it that we are standing on or in? We can see the truth of our standing in Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. But first, <laughs> the context for verse 1 of chapter 5 is all of chapter 4. <laughs> I'm not going to read the whole thing. <laughs> Which describes how Abraham was counted as righteous or made right with God. And it was done by faith in God and his word. Chapter 4 tells us that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned unto him, imputed unto him as righteousness. Imputed, I love the word imputed. It means legally transferred. Jesus legally transferred his righteousness to us. God legally transferred righteousness to Abraham by faith. But it was reckoned as a favor from God. This is important. Abraham's right believing <laughs> did not earn him God's favor. Nothing we do earns anything from God. God never owes us something based on something that we do. But God wants us to have and to access all that he is and all that he has. He made us co-heirs. <laughs> he wants us to have it all. He wants us to share in his life, in himself, in his kingdom now through his absolutely free loving kindness also known as his grace or his free favor. And that's because there's no other way for us to get it. <laughs> no other way for us to get anything from God except by grace through faith. Romans 4, verse 4 through 5, and the New American Standard says this. Now to the one who works, and the idea is self-effort. <laughs> now to the one who works, the wages are not credited as a favor, but as is what is due. But to the one who does not work for his righteousness, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. God loves to justify, declare innocent, make righteous the ungodly. That does not make sense. <laughs> God takes people who are ungodly and he picks them up and puts them in a place of righteousness. He gives us his own righteousness, his own holiness, his own goodness. He makes us just like him. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> who would do such a crazy thing? God. Abraham wasn't made right with God based on him doing the right things. And God didn't even want him to try to earn his righteousness. And that's because an earned righteousness would come and would go based on his behavior. And God didn't want Abraham to ever be without his favor, his absolutely free, loving kindness. So God made righteousness available by only faith in himself and not by any works of self-effort or self-righteousness. 
I have it for you in two translations, just because I like them. <laughs> the first one is the Weymouth translation, and it's really short and sweet. It says this, all depends on faith. And for this reason, that acceptance with God might be an act of pure grace. All of him, none of us. Romans 4.16 in the Williams. So it is conditioned on faith that it might be in accordance with God's unmerited favor so that the promise might be in force for all the descendants of Abraham, not only for those who belong to the law party, the Jews, but also for those who belong to the faith group of Abraham. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> he is the father of us all. So what I want you to see here is that God wants everything he is and everything he has to be ours, but only through an act of his pure grace, so that all we do is believe and receive. And even our faith, I love, love, love this, even our faith is a gift of his grace. We can't make faith. I spent years trying to make faith. No. God has given us the very faith of Jesus, and it is activated by the Word of God. We already have it. We don't have to make it, but we do have to access it through the Word. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For by grace ye are saved, how? Through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We know that grace is a free favor from God to sozo us to save, heal, deliver, protect, provide, and make whole. But so is faith. This is such good news. <laughs> faith is what happens in our heart when we hear about the finished works of Jesus. When we hear about grace, it activates the faith that has been given to us through Jesus. It's God at work in us to cause faith to arise. <laughs> if we feel like we're not having faith, get in the Word. It will activate what you've already got. See, that is so important to know. You've already got faith. You're not building faith. Now we grow in our ability to access it so that we get better at it and better at it <laughs> the more we understand His grace and what He's done through the finished works of Jesus. But faith is activated by His Word by him speaking to us. Years ago, this absolutely changed my life when God showed me that I could hear him through the word, the written word. That I'd be just reading along, minding my own business, and God would talk to me. It's like, this is cool. <laughs> and then I found out I could do it on purpose. <laughs> I can hear God on purpose in his word. He loves to speak to us. That's his favorite way to speak to us because it's a lot harder to misunderstand. And especially when you're talking about reading New Covenant. We need to let him talk to us and cause that faith we have to rise up and take hold of what we already have. <laughs> okay, so our faith isn't something that we produce. It's a gift of God that we can activate. Our faith is a gift of God. So we can't boast about having Great faith. Because where did it come from? Did it come from us? No, it comes from Him. Now that rubs people wrong, especially if they're good at accessing the faith. <laughs> By knowing and having to take hold of what we already have. It bothers our pride. But it shouldn't. Because it's all of grace. It's all of grace. The fact that I believe is because of God's grace. If he activates the faith he's already given me, did I do anything? No, I heard. <laughs> That's all I did, I heard. When I hear, I do. Faith takes because it heard. It's all of grace, it's all of him. This is good to know. You don't have to go to God saying, God, I know I don't have enough faith for this. <laughs> That's okay. Jesus has enough faith for it. <laughs> He's able to convince your heart. He's able to persuade you to have confidence. That's what faith is. Jesus persuading you to believe the truth. It's not of us. It's all of him. So we can't boast about having our great faith. 
God has literally provided it for all people through his finished works of Jesus. We just activate our faith. That's all we do by letting the Holy Spirit convince our hearts of his truth. So in light of all of that, that's chapter four. (laughs) We go back to chapter five, verse one. Therefore, being justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Therefore, being justified, being declared innocent by God, who's never wrong, (laughs) being declared innocent by faith, not by our works of self-righteousness, not by our good works. We have peace and rest. I love the fact that peace also includes the idea of rest. Because when we have peace with God, when there is no condemnation, when there is no guilt and shame, we can rest in what Jesus has done by whom also we have access, there it is, by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Where are we standing? We're standing in grace. What are we supposed to do in the battle? Stand. (laughs) Stand where? In grace, (laughs) by faith. (laughs) By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the confident expectation of the manifest presence of God. This isn't us hoping to go to heaven someday and see God's glorious being. No, this is saying we stand in grace right now and we rejoice because we have the confident expectation of the manifest presence of God showing up in us and through us. That's what that is. (laughs) And I also have it in the Williams translation for you. By whom we have an introduction through faith into the state of God's favor in which we safely stand. And let us continue exulting in the hope of enjoying the glorious manifested presence of God. I love that God manifests himself to us on the inside. That's what this is all about. It's about him revealing himself. That's what manifest means, to see what you couldn't see before. By faith in what Jesus has done through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, our state of being has changed. (laughs) Jesus brought us into the very throne room of heaven and introduced us to our heavenly Father and his kingdom and his throne of grace. We stand in grace. (laughs) We stand in God's free favor. Always. We stand safely. Always. And there's nothing that can remove his favor or his grace from us. This is a completed work. Salvation is a completed work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And nothing can remove his favor or grace from us. Not sin, not self, and not Satan. It's grace, remember? (laughs) It's free favor. We can't be disqualified from the free favor. So nothing I do, nothing I think, nothing I believe, other than believing on Jesus, and nothing Satan can say can change what God has done to us. He's made us brand new creations, and he gave us this state that we live in. It's called grace, favor, and everywhere we go, we take it with us. (laughs) Grace is not only his absolutely free loving kindness, but his divine enablement. That's what grace does. It divinely enables us to live like Christ. Now, this is really good news. There's nothing that can separate us from our Father's favor. He's absolutely free. It's absolutely free. (laughs) His absolutely free loving kindness and his free-flowing grace and goodness. And nothing can separate us from our Savior's love, ever, It's an everlasting love that cannot be stopped, no matter what you do, no matter how bad you are. He will still love you. (laughs) And nothing can separate us from the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, because we are one spirit with him. And God promised he would never leave us nor forsake us, no matter what. We are literally one with him. If he leaves, we automatically go with him. We belong to God, and God belongs to us. We are his dearly loved children. We are the bride of Christ, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And nothing and no one can undo any of those truths. So 
Knowing who and what we are in the spirit and in truth is foundational to us remaining in a standing position as victor over all the wiles of the devil. But we also need to have a clear picture of who Satan is and what has become of him. For starters, Satan is a defeated foe, period. <laughs> we see this in Colossians 2.15. He, Jesus, defeated the rulers and powers of the spiritual world. And with the cross, he won the victory over them and led them away as defeated and powerless prisoners for the whole world to see. Through the cross, all of our sin and all of the demands of the law were both dealt with by being nailed to the cross and then taken into death. We are not under the power of sin, nor are we under the demands of the old covenant. We are under grace and we have been transferred into a whole different kingdom, the kingdom of God's beloved Son. We can see this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. He, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the, His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is really important. Satan does not have access to us ever. <laughs> he can't touch us or keep us from living out of the kingdom of God's beloved Son. And we can see this in 1 John 5, 18 and 19. We know that everyone who is fathered by God does not sin in or from their spirit. The words you see in red are my explanation. Because people say, um, what translators do is they try to fix this verse to say something it doesn't say. They say, those who have been fathered or born again, don't sin habitually. The word habitually is not in there. They don't practice sin. It's not my practice. <laughs> if you're practicing sin, there's a problem. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. It says the one who is born again, the one who is fathered by God, does not, cannot sin. How is that possible for him to even say such a thing? Because he's not talking about our behavior. He's talking about who we are in Christ. Sin does not originate in our new creation identity. There is no sin in there. Now, can we perform acts of sin? Yes, we can, but I'll warn you, it is stupid. <laughs> you won't like the results, and it won't make you happy either. You'll just feel really bad. <laughs> but the point is, our new creation identity is sinless, and Satan can never touch our spirit ever. It's a full house in there. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There ain't no room for anybody else. <laughs> ain't nobody else getting in there. <laughs> Continuing. But the, the one fathered by God, speaking of Jesus, he protects him. And the evil one does not touch him. Satan has no access whatsoever to our spirit man, to our new creation reality. We are completely free from all the power of the enemy in our spirit man. Now, he can harass us on the outside, but he can't touch who and what we are. So, how does he harass us? The next verse tells us, 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are from God. <laughs> this is a good thing to know. <laughs> and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Rats. <laughs> That's how he harasses us, through the things of this world. And that power is the power of darkness, blindness, and deception. Satan lies to everyone <laughs> and gets them to do his bidding through deception. He can't actually make anyone do anything. He has to deceive them into compliance. It's the only real power he has. He's a liar and the father or source of lies. And we can see this in John chapter 8. In verse 44, here Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees shortly after they brought the woman caught in adultery to him. And this is what Jesus says to them. You are of your father the devil. Ouch. <laughs> and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The Pharisees, as the sons of Satan, <laughs> that's kind of hard for us to say. Can a human being be a son of Satan? Not the way that we are born of God. They're not born of Satan, but they're born under the power of sin. 
Every human being is born under the power of sin. And the only way to get out from underneath his kingdom, you have to be born out of it. We're born out of the kingdom of darkness and born into the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is within us. It's not something that's going to happen when we die. We have the kingdom. We have the king and his realm. <laughs> it's all right here. <laughs> so that's how they're sons of Satan. They are simply under his power and influence. The Pharisees, as sons of Satan, would have preferred to see Jesus condemn and kill the woman caught in adultery. Because that was the right thing to do. But instead, Jesus gave her the gift of no condemnation. What? <laughs> Why would he do that? <laughs> Don't we need to make an example of her, Jesus? <laughs> and he's like, yes, we do. Just watch. <laughs> because God loves to justify the ungodly. <laughs> she was ungodly. And she needed to be forgiven and that weight of condemnation lifted off of her. That's why he could say to her, go and sin no more. That's not who you are. That's not what you have become. When he gave her her life back, it was without the weight of condemnation. This is so important. We do not function well under condemnation. <laughs> and if we don't know that it's not from God, we'll keep thinking it is. And we'll keep going back to, God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. We'll beat ourselves up for three or four days. That was my average. <laughs> I'm, God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. God, please forgive me. God, please forgive me. God, put me back into right standing with you. I didn't know I never left. I didn't know that I never left right standing. Because right standing is a gift. Righteousness is a gift. Holiness is a gift. It's only by faith in Jesus, that that comes to live in us permanently. We stand safely and permanently in grace. We do better with grace. We don't do better with condemnation. We don't do better with being uh, beaten or stoned. That doesn't make us better. <laughs> grace makes us better. It enables us to see with new eyes. It enables us to understand the kingdom. We do better with grace. Amen. I like that. <laughs> so, can Satan stir up trouble against us? Yes, he can. Just look at the political realm. <laughs> Is he a troublemaker or what? <laughs> he blinds people's minds to the truth so that they cannot see what and who is really true. They can't see. I always think, you know, if we showed the people who want abortions to be legal, what abortion really is, how it affects the woman who has one, surely that would make them change their mind. They will not see. They want their ability to do what they want. They don't want anyone telling them, no, that's not good for them. It's not good for the baby, and it's not good for her. They don't know that. Like Mark was saying, there are things people don't know. <laughs> they need someone to tell them. <laughs> and we can see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. But if indeed our gospel is veiled, it is veiled among those who are perishing among whom the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they would not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the very image of God. So Satan can stir up trouble for us, but we need to remember that he is still a defeated foe, even though he's a troublemaker. <laughs> and we can see this in Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. Since, therefore, the children, that would be us, share in flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he, Jesus, might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Now, the word destroy here doesn't mean what we would naturally think it means. <laughs> For us, if you destroy something, it is annihilated. <laughs> it ceases to exist. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> Jesus hasn't annihilated Satan, but he has rendered him powerless against us. And according to the Thayer's lexicon, the word destroy means this, 
It means to render idle. Oh, he doesn't have anyone to pester. <laughs> Unemployed, no use to us. Inactivate, he inactivates him, and he is inoperative. He doesn't have access to who we are. To cause a person or thing to have no further efficiency. <laughs> that means he's not effective. <laughs> and third, it means to deprive of force, influence, and power. The only thing he does have is influence, but he has no force and no power. This is what Jesus has done to Satan. Stripped him of his ability to have power over us because of sin. When we were sinners, we lived in his kingdom. But as saints, we no longer live in his kingdom of darkness. So Satan doesn't have free reign over believers. Or anyone, for that matter. He has to trick people <laughs> into letting him use their power and authority against themselves and others. He takes our God-given power and authority and uses it against people. Satan doesn't have any power and authority. That's why he has to get human beings to cooperate with him. Otherwise, he would just go around destroying everybody. If he had free reign, there wouldn't be any Christians left on the planet. He doesn't have that power. He has to trick us to get in line with what his agenda is. He can't just do whatever he wants. And we can see this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. The Apostle Peter says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He can't just devour anyone he wants, or we'd all be gone. <laughs> Not everyone is devourable. <laughs> he has to use schemes and strategies to try to trick people into making bad decisions. And one of these schemes is fear. When a lion roars in the wilderness, he does it to scare all the other animals. That's the point. He scares them. And some of them are even paralyzed by his roar. <laughs> and that makes them easy to become lunch. <laughs> if you stand still, he will eat you. <laughs> so Satan roars at believers, telling them how big and powerful and scary he is, when in actuality, he isn't. Years ago, I asked the Lord how to best understand what Satan was like. Was he as big and scary as he wanted me to believe? And God told me to picture an eight-year-old boy in a Halloween costume. A big, scary mask and a big, large blaster for a weapon. <laughs> and then to imagine that this kid comes into my house and says, I'm taking all your candy and I'm moving in. He says, what would you do? I'd say, go home, little boy. <laughs> you ain't moving in, and you ain't taking nothing with you. <laughs> and he said, that is what Satan is like. He is a defeated foe. He has big, scary weapons he wants to show you. He has big, scary masks that he wants to show you. He wants to make you afraid. He wants to get you out of faith and into fear. So you what? So you'll make stupid decisions. <laughs> That's the whole point. So he's not the big, scary bully that everyone thinks he is, because Jesus has dealt with him. Now, can he be very deceptive? Oh, yeah. Can he come as an angel of light? Oh, unfortunately. <laughs> but he's only going to speak lies and half-truths. Satan just has a lot of big talk, but no real power or authority over believers. So we absolutely do not need to fear Satan, because he is already completely defeated through the finished works of Jesus. But we don't need to be stupid <laughs> by not paying attention either. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Be sober. I mean, stay awake. Don't get drunk and don't be drowsy. Be vigilant. Stay aware. Because when you're not aware, when you're not paying attention, it's easier to be deceived. This makes me think of people walking around watching their phones. <laughs> they're walking, walking, walking. They walk right into the street, right in front of the traffic because they're looking at their phone. They are not paying attention. <laughs> what will happen to them? <laughs> they're going to get run over <laughs> because they're not paying attention. And that's Peter's point. Pay attention. Don't be stupid. <laughs> now, we need to pay attention because we need to recognize when Satan's trying to get us to buy into one of his sneaky little lies so that we can do verse 9. Resist. We have to recognize the lie if we're going to resist. That's why we have to be steeped in the truth, because he will give us a half-truth 
try to make it sound right. <laughs> so we need to be steeped in the truth. So when we hear his lie, we can resist. And resist simply means to stand. Stand against, just keep standing. <laughs> Whom you resist, steadfast. I love steadfast. Stand unwavering, unflinching, and uncompromising. You just keep standing. What's our part? Standing. <laughs> standing in what? In faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. What Peter's talking about here is the early church suffered greatly at the hands of the Romans and at the hands of unbelieving Jews, severely. <laughs> and it was all because they professed to be Christians and they preached Jesus. And you think, why would that cause that kind of reaction? Well, because if we preach Jesus, they could all get saved. And who doesn't want that? <laughs> Satan doesn't want that. So can Satan start trouble? Can he start a riot? Yes, he can. <laughs> can he stir up stuff? Yes, he can. But what do we do? We just keep standing in the grace and the faith in the finished works of Jesus. All that opposition for them was instigated by Satan in an effort to stop the whole world from coming to Jesus. So Peter tells them that what they need to do in the midst of persecution is to stand by faith in grace, provided by the finished works of Jesus. We need to keep standing in the victory that's already been given to us. We need to keep standing on the promises found in God's word. Keep standing in the grace, the absolutely free, loving kindness of God. It's free. It's all free. <laughs> Believing that our Father has already granted us everything we need for life and godliness. The answers are yes and amen. We need to stand in the truth, unwavering, unflinching, and uncompromising, knowing exactly who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. Continuing in verse 10. Now it is the grace of God who hath called us to his eternal glory by Jesus the Messiah that hath given us while we sustain these light afflictions to be strengthened and confirmed and established by him forever to whom be glory and the power and honor forever and ever. Amen. In verse 12. By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. It's already done. It is a defeated foe. We don't fight him, we fight lies. Stand in the grace. Our salvation and our victory is all of grace. The victory is already finished and fully supplied by grace. Whatever battle we find ourselves in is already won. <laughs> and we need to know, no, I've already won. I'm starting from, I've won. <laughs> Jesus has conquered sin, self, that old self is dead, and Satan for us. Through the cross, Satan was stripped of his power and authority because both our sin and our old self went into the grave with Jesus. Satan only ever had power over us because of sin. That's why Satan wasn't on the cross. Because Satan was never our problem. He just took advantage of the situation. When Jesus took sin and the law into the grave, Jesus said, you're all free now. <laughs> you're not under a law, therefore you're not under wrath, and you're only under grace. You're not under sin anymore. So Satan only ever had power over us because we were sinners. Now he doesn't have power over us because we're not sinners. <laughs> Satan lost all his power and control. And that's why he's mad. <laughs> Through Jesus, we are more than conquerors. But so many of us are trying to conquer him. Why? <laughs> why would we do that? Because we don't believe he's actually defeated. We don't believe we have power and authority over him. We don't believe that we walk on the scorpions. We don't believe. So when something comes against us and we know he's the one instigating it, talk to the hand. <laughs> you are not my problem. You are defeated. I'm standing in the grace and I'm standing in the faith and I'm standing in the victory so you can just take a walk. 
Our salvation and our victory is all of grace. His victory is already finished and fully supplied by his grace. Whatever battle we find ourselves in is already won. Jesus really has conquered sin, our old self, and Satan all through the cross. Through Jesus, we are more than conquerors. I love that. And that's because Jesus finished all the conquering. He did all the hard work. (laughs) And then he handed that victory to us and says, here, live from the victory, not for the victory. Living from the victory, we know what we have and we know who we are and we know what Jesus accomplished. But if we're trying to fight for a victory, we've already lost because we walked away from the grace and faith and tried to do it ourselves. We can see this truth in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, which says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So when the world comes at us, not a problem. Yeah, we have to deal with it in our head. <laughs> but we go back to the truth. You don't have power and authority over me. Doesn't matter what happens. You don't have power and authority over me. My God has already supplied everything I need for life and godliness, so goodbye. <laughs> we apply the victory that's already been given by faith. We start from the victory. This is the victory that overcometh. It doesn't say this is the faith that brings the victory. That's not what it says. It says, here's the victory, have faith in it, and it will conquer. See, it's about what he did instead of what we do. We think, I will have faith and I will overcome. He says, you're doing it backwards. (laughs) Believe you have the victory, have faith in that, and you will overcome the world. Because it's his work in us. Faith is us believing that the war has already been fought and won. So we start from the finish line. We stand in his grace and hold tightly to what has already been given to us. If we don't hold tightly to the truth, Satan will talk us out of what is already ours. He did this with me several times when I was trying to get healed from fibromyalgia. The first time I went for prayer for my fibromyalgia, I believed I received, and I went home. My husband and I were in Chicago. We went back to the hotel. By the time I got to the hotel, I had let it go. I had believed, even though I knew I received, I believe I didn't really have the faith to keep it. You see, it was all about my faith and his faith. I'm thinking, if he doesn't believe I have it, then how can I believe I have it? (laughs) Talked myself right out of it. God showed me this later. (laughs) It happened again. I went up to an altar call. I believed I received when I prayed. I knew I got it. And I got up and talked myself right out of it. I still don't feel any different. I must not have gotten healed. Stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. (laughs) No, you're already healed. (laughs) You're trying to push the sickness and disease away. The healing is yours. I know it was mine. And because I didn't feel it in my body, I talked myself right out of it. What is feeling something in your body? Unbelief. Jesus says, look, I healed you. And my body says, no, he didn't. (laughs) That's not true. Well, who's right? Jesus is right. I finally got it the third time and I kept it. (laughs) It's like, no, this is mine. I'm rejoicing it's mine. I don't care if I never feel. Well, I know it's mine. You see, with that kind of understanding, I got it. It's mine. I'm keeping it. You got to keep it. You got to hold on to it because he'll try to talk you out of it. (laughs) It manifested. It took a little while, but it manifested. You see, Jesus had to overcome my stupid flesh head. (laughs) I don't feel well. Shut up. (laughs) What I finally understood was that, spiritually speaking, I was already healed. Jesus had already provided it by his grace. I had it inside of me. It was already mine and in me. When I was finally able to believe that I already had it and that I wasn't trying to get it, that's when it came forth. That was my hardest battle. I look back and go, wow, I did it all the time. I'm healed, Jesus. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm healed, Jesus, standing in grace, by faith, Mm, feelings. I toggled in and out 
of God's will for me because of how I felt. Finally showed me how dumb that was. <laughs> so spiritually speaking, we are already saved. We are already healed. We are already delivered from all the power of the enemy. We are already provided for. We are already victorious because it has all been given to us by our Father's goodness and grace through the finished works of Jesus. All the work necessary for us to be completely sozoed, <laughs> saved, healed, delivered, prospered, protected, made safe, and made whole has already been accomplished by Jesus. What we do is have to keep standing in the grace, believing that it's absolutely already free, and we don't have to earn it in any way, shape, or form by believing the truth. <laughs> we are what Jesus says we are, and we have what Jesus says we have. We just have to keep looking unto Jesus in us and his finished works. Satan, of course, will come along and tell you to look at yourself. <gasps> look at your failures. <gasps> look at those bad thoughts. Look at what you did. <gasps> look at what you didn't do. <gasps> look at you. Oh my goodness, look how bad you were. Look how you failed. Just look at you. <laughs> and you know what we can say? Yes, let's look at me. I'm standing in grace. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Take a good look, devil. Yes, look at me. I am seated in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers. Yes, devil, take a good look. I died, and my life is now hidden with Christ inside of God. You can't even touch me. <laughs> yes, you just look at me. I am the accepted and the beloved, and you're not. <laughs> I am dearly loved by my Father, and you're not. <laughs> yes, let's look at me. Let's look at me for a while. I used to be a sinner, but now I'm a saint. Because of the blood of Jesus, he has given me a new life and the gift of no condemnation. <laughs> yes, 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 Satan, let's just look at me for a while. I've been redeemed. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Yes, just look at what my Jesus and my Father have done for me. Yes, devil, just look. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> this, my friends, is spiritual warfare. That's what spiritual warfare does. It says, I know who I really am. I don't care if you tell me I'm a failure. Whatever I feel up is just an opportunity for learning. <laughs> Jesus turns all things for good. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and it's knowing the truth of the complete victory that has already been given to us by our Father's grace and our Jesus' blood. And it's refusing to believe anything contrary to what God's word says to us or about us in the new covenant. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How do we do that? You know what most people would say? Read the word. Pray. Be disciplined. All that is good advice. I encourage all of those things. But that's not how we're strong in the Lord. We are strong in the Lord by refusing to place our confidence in our own abilities to be strong. He is our strength. We stand in His grace, His free favor, and we receive His strength as our own by faith. We trust in His power within us, knowing that He's always there. That's how we're strong in the Lord, by turning away from self-effort and self-propagation. <laughs> we have to go back to the truth that without Christ, we can do nothing. We are strong because he makes us strong, not because of the things we do. Now, yes, God will tell you, read the word. You need to know what's true. Yes, pray. All that is good. But the strength comes from him in us, not from our doing. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. See, he just has wiles. He just has schemes. It doesn't say, be careful, he's really scary and he'll bite you. No, he has tricks, he has schemes, he provides fear. <laughs> That's all he's got. So put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What is this armor that God supplies? It's God's armor. What does armor do? It protects. Do we have protection? Is not Christ himself our armor? <laughs> yes, because we are in him. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in 
Christ Jesus. Yes, Jesus is in us. We're a sandwich. <laughs> there's Jesus, and then there's me, and then there's Jesus again. <laughs> Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I was trying to help somebody one day about understanding that we are in Christ and that Satan cannot touch us. And they just weren't being able to grab hold of it. I said, hey, do you get in your car? <laughs> and she says, well, of course. I said, that's what we do with Jesus. We're in him. <laughs> and we can do all kinds of cool things in there, <laughs> just like with your car. <laughs> but you're in him. You're completely protected. He is our complete armor. He is and his finished works are what protects us. If we know who we are in Christ and we know that it's all of grace and we refuse to believe anything other than the truth of who God says we are, we won't fall for any of Satan's tricks and schemes. We will just continue to stand in the grace and the truth. Verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, that's mankind, but against principalities against powers, against rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. To wrestle is to try to throw your opponent off his feet. That's all it means. It doesn't mean rolling around on the floor. <laughs> it means someone's trying to take you off of where you stand, off of your territory, off of your standing. He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers, which is Satan. All he's trying to do is to get us to stop standing in grace and truth. Stop trusting in the finished works of Jesus. You see, if we don't do that, if we don't trust in him, when people come against us, we'll fight people. We'll think people are the problem. Well, they would just be nice. <laughs> just see the source, not your problem. <laughs> Paul's point is that people are not the real problem. The spirit behind the people feeding them the lies and darkness is the real problem. But we have the whole armor of God. Verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. What do we do there? <laughs> Just keep believing. <laughs> Just keep looking unto Jesus. <laughs> that's what we do. And that's all that we do. When we understand that we stand and live in our Father's grace, our Father's free favor, and we know that we can do nothing of ourselves, we will choose to stand on the finished works of Jesus. For everything we need for life and godliness has already been granted. It's done. It's a yes and amen. And we don't have to fight for anything. We don't have to fight for anything. But we will have to fight from the truth. We have to fight the lies and the schemes. And that's usually the hardest part for us, believing and resting on the truth that it's already done. We have been completely sozoed spiritually so that our sozoedness, our savedness on the inside can be released into our lives by faith in God's grace. So the only fight we actually have is to stay standing in the grace found in the works, the finished works of Jesus and to not give into looking at ourselves, our own strength, our own wisdom. In the book of James, James tells us how to get rid of Satan. He says it's really easy. <laughs> James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. That's not hard. Submit to love. Submit to wisdom. Submit to grace. Yeah, just submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, which means stand against him. Just keep standing. <laughs> and he will flee from you. He is not scary. He's afraid of us. He's afraid we're going to figure out who and what we are and what we're going to do with all we have. We submit ourselves by coming into agreement with what God says is true about us, and about him, and about the finished works of Jesus, and about those works being applied to us by grace. And then we stand, just keep standing on the truth, and we refuse to look at our own strength or ability, or our own goodness. Keep looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And when we do this, Satan just hates it. He doesn't like going to church. <laughs> All those people have Jesus. <laughs> He's not interested. <laughs> he runs away. I hope what you come away with today is a better understanding of what spiritual warfare is. It's not fighting with Satan or with demons. Jesus has completely defeated them on the cross. And then he gave that victory to us to enforce 
we enforce what Jesus has given us. Through Jesus and his victory, we have been given all authority over both demons and Satan. Spiritual warfare is about overcoming the lies and the darkness of the enemy by turning on the light and the truth found in Christ alone. So I encourage you to recognize the truth about yourself. Yeah, Satan comes knocking. Yeah, let me show you what I look like. Yeah, let me show you. You're not going to like it. (laughs) You are under my feet. We are new creations created in the very righteousness and holiness of God. We are complete in Christ Jesus, and everything we need for life and godliness has already been provided as we remind ourselves that Jesus finished all of the work that was necessary for our complete deliverance from all the power and all the lies of the enemy, we can begin to rejoice and be thankful that all we have to do is stand in his grace and stand on his word. He is our armor. He is our protection. He is our provision. And he makes a way when there doesn't look like there is a way. He's done it all. And he just asks us to actually believe that he did it all. And then from that place of victory, live out of his power and his love. Amen? Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that you really did make it easy. (laughs) But we've made it hard. We've made you far away. We've made ourselves empty. We've made ourselves all these things that we're not. But in your word, you reveal to us, you unveil the truth of who you are and what you've done. You've dressed us in righteousness and holiness. We are the very bride of Christ. We are the beauty of holiness. And that's the truth. And Father God, we thank you for that, that you are opening our eyes more and more to the truth of how victorious we already are. Father God, I ask that by your spirit you help us to walk in this truth, to stand in grace every minute of every day, knowing you have us. You are our protection. You are our keeper. You are the lover of our soul. And we thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen.